0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Fala, Bills Mafia. Aqui quem fala é o Fernando Schimudi com mais um Lead in the Charge no Buffalo Rumblings. E hoje eu tenho a satisfação de receber o Bruce Nolan né, do Buffalo Rumblings, sempre do no seu Bruce exclusive podcast. Né? E vai ser muito legal poder trocar uma ideia com ele. Ele que sempre produz tanto conteúdo legal lá no Ramblers. E é e é uma das vozes da razão né, entre a Bills Mafia aí no Twitter, então vai ser muito bom trocar uma ideia com ele sobre draft, sobre free agency, né, o que, o, os prospectos de repente que que melhoraram a sua posição com o draft aí relacionados ao combine, é, novidades sobre Mac Milano, troca do Dolphins pelo Jalen Ramsey, nós temos bastante assuntos e eu tenho o, a, o, o Bruce apenas por 30 minutos, então... Eu vou começar a trocar essa ideia com ele e peço que a máfia vá mandando as perguntas no chat à medida que a gente for conversando. A gente provavelmente vai responder muita coisa natural, mas o que não for falado, a gente eu eu trago aqui para o Bruce e a gente troca uma ideia sobre isso também. Beleza, máfia? Hi, Bruce, welcome to the Buffer Wanderings podcast for Brazilian Bills. Mafia, it's a pleasure to have you in, man.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. I'm a. I'm a big fan, and I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to get it going.
0: Awesome, awesome. Let me start asking you about what do you know about Brazil? Okay, because it's always a question that I wanna I I like to to ask for for my guests because uh, Brazilian Bills Mafia really love the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we are really passionate. We were just just like you. We were suffering for a long time. But we stayed for, firm and, and loyal, and now we're gonna. Uh, now we're starting to, to enjoy it more, right? Uh, but what do you know about Brazil, and, and what's uh, what's curious for you, uh, thinking about today's episode and the participation of Brazilian bills mafia? Were you aware about this love for the bills here from Brazil? What do you know about our country?
1: I was aware of the Bills Mafia in Brazil, and mostly I was aware of it because of the geographical data that is collected on my podcast. So when I look at the demographic information on the podcast, I go, wow, I I do really well in London, for example, or Ireland. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Bruce Exclusive is big in Ireland. Sure, let's go with that. And one of the areas that consistently got significant reach was in Brazil. Now, I have to be very careful because I actually do know a little bit about the country, but I can't tell you why because of FBI. So I can't give away the reason why I know a little bit about the country. But um, I know, let's just say I, I know enough. And obviously, you know, the, the, the Portuguese and I'm a, I'm a big MMA fan, and a significant portion of people who are in the mixed martial arts community are Brazilian by nature. You know, yeah. there's an entire discipline of jiu jitsu based around Brazilian jiu jitsu. It's a big hub for that type of thing. And so I, I have some familiarity with the country, but I, I can't really go significantly into depth with it because that would give me away a little bit.
0: Awesome, awesome. I was ready to have a joke about, oh, Bruce, you forgot to open your camera, but uh, I, I, I quit on it, okay? it's <laughs> not at all. Okay, awesome, man. So uh, let's start talking about um, our subjects for today. And I would like to start talking about the, today's deals, right? Because it's fresh with Matt Milano's deals, the contract uh, extension and freeing and up some cap space for for the Bills to work with. It's just the start. It, it actually started with a big move for Team Saddle, right? And now uh, Matt Milano opening up 6 million. Uh Uh, Brandon Bean must be more, must do more, right? Because we need more space to work with during free agency. But how do you see this move extending Milano? Some people think uh, 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 it shows that maybe Edmunds is gone. Other people think, no, it's opening up space and now we can pay Edmunds. How do you see this move? What do you think about it, Bruce?
1: I see it as a dual move because they could have opened up the exact same amount of cap space by just restructuring Milano's deal and pushing that cap hit out and further. So the fact that they decided to do it via an extension is interesting because they didn't have to extend him to get the cap space. It's not a situation like a Daquan Jones, where if you want to get relief from Daquan Jones, you have to make an extension to do it. Because he signed a two-year deal. Last year was the first year. This year is the second year. If you want to get cap space, you have to extend him. Matt Milano, you didn't have to do that. You could have restructured him and achieved the exact same amount of draft space. But they decided not to. They decided to do it via the use of an extension. So the fact that there wasn't an extension solely for the purpose of cap space, because if they only wanted cap space, they could have just restructured him. But they decided not to. They wanted to extend him. That, to me, leans more toward Edmonds is not coming back versus he is because they want to make sure that they have somebody in place meaningfully for a long amount of time. Now, there's been some rumblings a little bit that it also happens to line up perfectly if you were to take a linebacker in the first round of this draft. I would not be overly pleased if the Buffalo, rumblings, uh, Buffalo Bills and the Rumblings community was reacting to a linebacker in the first round of 2023 NFL draft. But for me, it doesn't necessarily say anything definitively, but it does lean me more toward Edmonds as leaving versus Edmonds is coming back.
0: Awesome. And, yeah, same people uh, started to, to guess about, oh, maybe Milano is moving to my position and getting the green dot and he's going to call the plays. And it would make sense if you think uh, Bernard is more in Milano's mode and maybe it would be easier to insert throw Bernard in Milanos spot instead at the mic position, despite all the all the talk about Bernard being really smart and a, a kind of captain of defense, kind of play caller of defense type of linebacker. Uh, but anyway, uh, both are still the same size and, and light, the lighter kind of linebackers, right? So do you see any, any situation where Milano can move to Mike, or where Bernard can be this Mike, because I've talked here, Bruce, like, if being spent a, a third-round pick on a guy that is stuck behind Milano and should be stuck there forever, it's not a good location of a third-round pick. Uh, Bernard must be able to, to com- at least compete for a, a Mike linebacker top uh, position, or Milano make the, the move there and open a spot for Bernard. How do you see the situation? Uh... Because adding another light linebacker there, and, and we know Ed Oliver is already undersized. So, do you think is, is it possible to, to go this direction, or do you think maybe if we, we can uh, replace Oliver, who must uh, who, who might be a trade candidate with this situation about last year of his deal, uh, comments on Instagram about wanting money, wanting to get paid maybe being needs to have a decision made on on Oliver. And if you book up the defensive tackle position, maybe you can make this change, downgrading a bit in size at linebacker and and booking up the defensive tackle. How do you see this dynamic? Is it possible? Uh, How do you see it, please?
1: I think Terrell Bernard, one of the interesting things about Terrell Bernard coming out is, you know, obviously he played at Baylor, and they they run a lot of 3-3 stack at Baylor. And so it, it's not really a super translatable position. As a linebacker to the NFL. Now, I know that, you know, Matt Aranda, you know, does, sorry, Dave Aranda does a a meaningful job communicating with Sean McDermott. I think one of the things that we need to understand is that um, Aranda and Sean McDermott have a really good relationship. So I don't think that there was an opportunity for Sean McDermott to have a player like Terrell Bernard come in and not know what he was capable of. Like, I I don't think they were going to come in and they were going to be surprised by that. I don't think there's going to be a situation where, oh, man, we know Terrell Bernard. He's he's not at all what we thought he was going to be. I don't think that's possible based on the level of communication that I think exists between Terrell Bernard and Sean McDermott. I do think Terrell Bernard could very easily take Milano's spot from a stylistic standpoint. Now, obviously, I say easily as if somehow he's going to be that caliber (laughs) of player. That's not the case. But there is a line of thinking that Matt Milano got this extension because he's going to get a green dot next year. And he's going to be a play caller for the defense instead of Tremaine Edmonds. Like, that's a that's a, a reasonable thing to talk about. Now, there isn't a significant difference between Matt Milano's role and Tremaine Edmonds' role in the Bills' defense. If you listen to former linebacker Lorenzo Alexander has flat out said that in Sean McDermott's defense, there isn't a significant difference between those two roles. So having Milano move over to fill Tremaine Edmonds' spot and having terrell bernard backfill as a starter i don't think that's unreasonable at all it's one of the things that we kind of kicked around last year when we were trying to make sense of the bernard pick to begin with when terrell bernard got picked immediately you try and say okay what's the plan with this guy like what's the vision and one of the things we talked about was okay what if tremaine Evans leaves and you end up with milano and this person and now that and it could end up being the case
0: awesome and about this this Defensive tackle situation dynamic with uh, maybe if you downgrade size at linebacker spots. Since Edmonds, okay, he's a, a, a he's a, a different kind of player because you you normally can't find this combination of size, speed, and 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 his weight is the guy's over two hundred fifty pounds and really fast. Uh, even if he's not as as uh, agile like Milano. But do you think, like, it's, is it possible to have those two guys at around the 20, uh, 220 pounds and and add Oliver as an undersized defensive tackle also? Or it can it can be problematic for this defense, starting to maybe have trouble against the run again, because we know we are always nickel defense. Tyrone Johnson sometimes is kind of your weak sideline backer uh, and... and Is it possible maybe to bulk up this defensive tackle position, move Oliver, and and play those guys together?
1: I do. I do think that trading at Oliver is something that should be on the table because of the $10.7 million cap you can clear by doing it. And also because you have the opportunity to potentially bulk up at defensive tackle. It's not like Ed Oliver has proven himself to be a player that is completely indispensable. Like And I think that that's one of the discussions you have to have as you get further and further into your team building is you have to say, okay, is this guy not just a good player? Like, oh, he's a good player. No, no, is he he indispensable? Is he a player that we absolutely cannot live without? And I don't think that the team or the fans at this point view Ed Oliver as a player that you absolutely cannot live without. And so when that happens and you have a player on his fifth-year option, which is just sitting there, Dead money right there. It's just a flat-out $10.7 million. It's like tagging someone. You can't really move the money around. There's no way to be creative with the fifth-year option. It is what it is. Bam, here's the money. So with Ed Oliver, you you have the opportunity to potentially move him. Now, if you move him, you have to understand you're creating a hole. There is nobody there. Jordan Phillips is on a one-year deal. He might not be back. So you have zero three techs that you are comfortable with playing if you move at Oliver. So I'm not interested at all in moving away from a completely reasonable player unless you are absolutely sure that you have something lined up to do it. So if you want to go out in the defensive tackle market and you want to sign someone like a Matt Ioannidis from Carolina and then you want to move at Oliver that's fine but I don't think you're saving all that much money because Ioannidis is probably six or an eight million dollar player and then you have 10.7 10.7 for Ed Oliver. So you're saving $2 bucks by doing that, maybe $3 million by doing it. It's just, I think in theory, there's an opportunity to move on from Ed Oliver. But I'm not interested in creating a hole that I don't have an option to fill right away. So if they can fill it, great. We can then move off of Ed Oliver. But until then, we might have to deal with the fact that, like you said, you're dealing with an impreferable size situation. You have a small three-tech and two small linebackers behind him. I cannot possibly tell you. It's like it's like the def- the middle of the defense is hanging on by a thread, and that one thread is Daquan Jones. It's like he's the guy who's holding the whole thing together. God forbid something happens to Daquan Jones like he did before the Cincinnati game, and bad things happen because I don't want to live in a world where Daquan Jones is not the starting one technique, and I got to go back to what I had before. So if you're going to have two small linebackers as a small 3 sack, whoo, you are asking a lot of Daquan.
0: Absolutely, and one thing that I always have in the back of my mind, I keep it in mind. Uh, about obviously Brandon bean wasn't really in charge, but he was part of that, and even uh McDermott was part of that at Carolina when they drafted defensive tackle in the first round three years in a row, like Stardust Tulele and then Kawan Short and then Vernon Butler, who was there too as a Bills player. And they did it three years in, in a row. And, and with this Ed Oliver situation, uh, I don't know, man. Maybe they, they can go that direction and, and try to, to draft another another defensive tackle early to to be part of the rotation. They restructured uh, Saddle. They have the the Point Jones. Jordan Phillips probably could be held with a... a, a, a cheap deal maybe uh, with a lot of his incentives and and to be honest uh i think when jordan phillips is healthy maybe not with the consistency you want but he can be as dominant as ed oliver when he flashes too so with this this cap uh figure i don't know man i don't know if they they don't do a shake up in this defensive tackle rotation uh
1: i think it could absolutely happen i think that One of the things I think Jordan Phillips has proven in the last year is that he's so much better in a rotational role. I mean, he's a high-energy guy, and I think having him in a rotational role is going to be important. I think um, Rafael says in the comments that Tim Settle did not look ready to have a larger role. Tim Settle is also fighting an injury this year as well. So I I, I don't think we had an opportunity to see the Tim Settle that we thought we were going to see. And so you could look at Tim Settle and say he's the backup three-tech moving forward, but – I'd like to see Tim Settle healthy too. I really would. I also think he was. there was a little bit of miscasting. I think a little bit like Quentin Jefferson when Quentin Jefferson was here. Yeah. He was kind of forced to play a little bit out of position. I think Settle was forced to play a little out of position this year too. I'd like to see him in a more penetrating role and I'd like to see him healthy.
0: Awesome. Uh, okay, we have a question here about uh, if you think any splash plays are going to be made. Leo Carneiro is always with us. And he's asking you about... Brandon Bean already was on record saying that we won't have splash moves, but it can change at any time, right? Uh, he compares to Von and Diggs. What do you think? Do you think the Bills can make maybe make a trade for somebody? Uh, Derrick Henry is out there. A lot of conversation about Derrick Henry. DeAndre uh, Hopkins. Is there a move that you, you think you would, would make... Bean's place, or or move would you like in the trade market a big a big time move
1: i don't think a big time move is coming um the reason why i don't think a big time move is coming is because i think that you've seen every other year kind of a gigantic move you saw the digs move and then you didn't see it in off season then you saw the von miller move and now we're kind of recovering from that so I don't think you're probably going to get a splash the way that you got with Diggs or Vaughn, and that's okay because you acquired top ten players at their positions. I mean, that's not something that happens every offseason where you acquire a top ten player at their position with Stephon Diggs and then with Vaughn Miller. And so I think it's okay that there's not going to be a splash move, I don't think. If you were to poke me and say, Bruce, in a perfect world, who could you get? The New York Jets are not going to move on from Elijah Moore. They've made that very clear, and they wouldn't trade him in the division if they did. But if I'm constructing a completely fabricated solution to what I think of the Buffalo Bills' wide receiver problems, I'd love to get Elijah Moore from the Jets. But, I mean, let's be fair. I'm constructing this out of thin air. It's not going to happen, okay? The Jets aren't going to trade him. They rebuffed overtures at the deadline for him, and then they wouldn't trade him in the offseason anyway, if they weren't going to trade him at the deadline, they're not going to trade him in the offseason. And also, they wouldn't trade him in division. So I think it'd be very, very hard-pressed, but I'd love to see the Buffalo Bills swing a Hunter Renfro, for example. If the if the Las Vegas Raiders are really going to do some retooling and you have the opportunity to get a slot player, you can notice there's a theme here with my, my with my discussions here. I think the ability to get a slot player would do a meaningful impact I mean, that would really have a significant role to play on the offense. So for me, I'd love the Bills to swing a trade for an established slot receiver, but I just don't think that there's a lot of moves out there to be made.
0: Okay, I'm going to take advantage of this last comment, so to to keep going about the wide receiver position, and uh, do you prefer a a proven slot guy being added or a a guy who can play outside, I think? There's been a lot of debate about it, and ideally, I think we we should have two new options: one for outside, and another one to play to play this lot. But I, I think I I I would side to to having a guy another guy able to play outside, so we can continue to move digs around. I think that's one big time positive from from Darcy's uh, year, in my opinion, moving digs inside sometimes and 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 have been some, some good matchups for him inside. And since Diggs is approaching 30 years old, maybe that's an, an age where wide receiver start to have more success playing inside. What do you think? What do you prefer when we think about the wide receiver position?
1: I I can see both arguments. I can see the argument behind getting a perimeter player and then moving Diggs inside. Um, I don't know how I feel about changing significant things for Stefan Diggs right now because he's on you know, a historic pace as a Buffalo Bills receiver. If he keeps going the way he's going, I, I almost rather just take a little bit of more pressure off him by acquiring a slot player. But I think as you get into year two of Dorsey, if Dorsey decides he's going to do different things with the offensive route combinations and the offensive system, then yeah, you can make the argument you're going to move Diggs inside. I think that the joy of this offseason is that there's more than one way to skin that cat. If you got a perimeter receiver like you're talking about and you decide you want to play Diggs more inside the slot, I can totally see the logic there. I don't know if I want to disrupt that, but I see the logic there. Then if you decide you want to get a slot player a la Cole Beasley that Josh Allen can trust on third down, keep the sticks moving, maybe you don't have that significant A dot uptick that you had at the end of last year where all of a sudden it's bombs away, bombs away, bombs away. I can see that argument too. So I think that there's more than one way to skin that cat. I think I have a preference and a leaning toward a slot player, which is why I'm looking at players like Josh Downs in the draft. And, you know, if you can go out and get a Jordan Addison who could play inside and outside, that would be great. But I'm, you know, I'm not feeling super confident in players like Jalen Hyatt. I'm not as high on Jalen Hyatt as the rest of the community because I yeah, I mean neither, it's man. a vertical slot player. I mean, you're I getting know. a specific version of Christian Kirk, right? You're not getting the full-blown Christian Kirk that you saw in Jacksonville this year. You're getting the little bit more one-dimensional vertical slot player that you saw early on in his career in Arizona. So for me, that doesn't solve the problem that you're just you're leaning into bombs away at that point. And I don't want that. I want a player who can help keep the offense on schedule. Get the third downs he needs to get and be able to do the things that he needs to do so there's more than one way to skin the cat i think there's very very few options that immediately look to me like a bad fit because you have lots of different ways you can solve that problem
0: awesome uh to close free agency talk uh, are there any free agents that are are you really uh, enamored with like you really want them to be get from if you are Brendan bean and you and the free agency opens who are your, your free agent crushes right now I have some one of the guys that I'm really looking at is DJ, DJ Shark because I think he can get he can, he can get by, by a, a fair deal okay. and he's still young he's big he has the, the speed to so go deep maybe you can have him to already prepare maybe to Gabe Davis uh, becoming a free agent next year um so he's one of my crushes in this free agency and another one is Bobby Okereke who I I believe can be a a nice option at at my position who are the guys you you really like in this free agency and you would target if you were present
1: one of the archetypes that I think I like to pursue in free agents are people whose value is significantly suppressed because they're always hurt I really like targeting those players because you can usually get them really, really cheaply. And if they blow up and happen to stay healthy, then they can walk and you get a comp pick for them. So along those lines, I think Paris Campbell, the wide receiver from the Colts, I think is a player that I look at because I don't think he's going to command meaningful money. I think that you can get him for a similar contract that you might be able to pull, a, maybe a little bit more expensive because of youth than you got the Jamison Crowder deal for last year. Like it wouldn't shock me at all if Paris Campbell came in at one year, three and a half million dollars for somebody because he just hasn't been healthy. He's always, always hurt. But when you're spending that little money on someone, you can do that. So that's a player that I think I'm interested in because I think you can get surplus value if you can get them for a lower cap charge and be able to have them be healthy. I think along those exact same lines, there is a guard from the Los Angeles Rams that I want to talk about because I think that there's an opportunity to potentially get surplus value, like we talked about before. I think that there is a familiarity that we don't talk about the way we should when it comes to free agents because there's all this unknown. Yeah, they were good in this system. They were good on this team, but what are they going to look like when they're Buffalo Bills? Right. And David Edwards is a player who actually went on IR due to concussions last year from the Los Angeles Rams. The Bills have experience with people with multiple concussions because they have Mitch Morse. Yeah. And so they know about that scenario, but more importantly, Aaron Cromer knows David Edwards from his time in the Los Angeles Rams. And so I think you can get him at a suppressed rate because the fact that he was put on IR due to concussion last year. So if the medical checks out and you have an opportunity to get surplus value there, because he's not going to get paid like a meaningful starting guard this off season because he didn't play a lot last year. So, I like targeting those people who have suppressed values on the market, whether for injuries or other reasons. I think those are the two of the players that I'd be interested in seeing the Buffalo Bills at.
0: Awesome. And talking draft groups, uh who are the guys you are targeting this draft? Uh, I, I feel it's really difficult to to do mock drafts and things like that before the free agency, because uh, it really depends on can, who can you get in free agency. Bean usually has done a good job going to the draft without big, needs right so he can draft best player available. label but who are the guys do, who maybe help themselves during the combine who are the guys you really you really would like to see as a buffalo bills when the draft comes
1: I think that there's a couple of positions you have to look at at 27 because I don't know that any free agent addition is going to fill the need. So the example that I just used with Paris Campbell, if you get Paris Campbell as a wide receiver, does that mean you look at your wide receiver room and go, OK, we're good now? Like I don't think so. I don't think are those types of players that you consider that hole filled. So then if you have a player like Jordan Addison who falls to you at 27, which he had a little bit of a disappointing combine, not for me, because I didn't I didn't think he was a super fast guy. So, him running a 4.5.5 five really doesn't do anything for me. But in the event that you thought he was a super fast guy, then so be it. I'm
0: not. Maybe maybe even the same situation as Brendan Bean when he celebrated Gabriel Davis running. As exactly. As low I, I hope 40. he doesn't run
1: too fast, is what he said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, if Jordan Addison were to fall there to 27, I'm all the way in. Now, I'd love to see the Buffalo Bills trade down from 27. But. If they stay at 27, I think wide receiver is an option. I think interior offensive line is an option. There's been discussions about, you know, John Michael Schmitz and you know, uh, o- Osiris Torrance from Florida. And those are players that I think people gravitate toward because they're positions of need who seem to be appropriate value at that spot. Uh, I think that one of the things that we need to consider, I don't want it to happen. I've already mentioned it, is they, they might go linebacker. I mean, this is a linebacker centric defense. This this is a team that has being run by player by team by coaches sorry by coaches and general managers who have never once made a secret of the fact that they value linebacker play ever. They didn't make a secret sure. of that when they traded up to draft an off ball linebacker. Like teams don't do that. Teams don't trade up in the first round to draft off ball linebackers. But the Bills did. They signed Matt Milano to two extensions. So that
0: oh, Holcomb just uh, just joined the staff right. Yeah, Good time guy with, with experience dealing with linebackers.
1: Exactly. So I, mean, I don't want there to be a linebacker. I don't want Jack Campbell at 27 because I don't yeah. want to spend that kind of assets on off-ball linebackers. But you have to consider it as a potential possibility. I think that depending on whether or not you think Spencer Brown – is the guy moving forward indefinitely. I think you have a Darnell Wright from Tennessee sitting there at 27. I don't know how you pass up on a player like that. I think he's got all the technical ability. We saw him perform consistently in the SEC against top flight pass rushers. I think that matters. So I'd love to see a trade down. But if not, I think offensive line, linebacker, wide receiver, and I know this is going to make people mad. I'm just telling you right now, they could go edge rusher again. Yeah. They could do it. Like I can see Nolan Smith being the pick at twenty-seven. Getting a freaky freak pass rusher and different
0: kind of pass rusher that they've drafted yeah. recently, right?
1: So I know that's gonna make people mad. They'll they'll roll their eyes and they'll go, oh pass rusher, but I'm just telling you, they've the team has told you what they value. When a team tells you what they value, just believe them because yeah. they value it. So if it's a pass rusher, if it's an offensive lineman, if it's a wide receiver, it's a linebacker. These are the positions that make sense to me. I can see them going safety too, but the Buffalo Bills haven't invested significant draft capital in the safety market, and I think it's because they believe in their ability to take a corner, convert them to safety, like Christian Benford, or take someone later in the draft. I just don't think they feel the need. I'd be surprised if it was a safety at 27.
0: Awesome. Uh, Do you think uh, they can find somebody, like, in free agency who can convert to safety? I I, I've thought about uh Patrick Peterson maybe since he's a very experienced guy and and he showed he still can play at cornerback so he can be depth there, he can maybe try and move to safety. And we know when when Micah Hyde and Jordan Poor were signed, nobody were screaming like, oh we got two all pro safeties. We were like, okay, uh Hyde's gonna be a, a solid start and who's this Jordan poor guy? He's probably fighting for a position, that guy, and he became a non-pro. Do you think is it possible to, to target in free agents? Or even in the draft with a cornerback, maybe? I,
1: I do. I think that Cameron Dantzler is a player that I kept my eye on from Minnesota, who I actually thought the Bills might have had interest in when he was drafted. And then you get him. He One of the huge knock on Cameron Dantzler coming out was his, was his speed. right? Speed, Cameron yeah. Dantzler coming out. Coming out of the SEC, everyone was like, oh, okay, you know, this is this is a player who's consistently performing against top competition. And then he comes out and he just runs abysmally. I mean, he runs 4-6-4 four, four at yeah. the combine. And people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they just roll completely out. Well, that changes a lot if you play safety. I mean, Justin Simmons is arguably the best safety in football, runs a 4-6-1. Like, cool. it's not crazy. Like Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer ran in the mid four fives at their athletic peak what do you think micah hyde runs now like many many years later i think micah hyde probably runs in the four sixes right now so if there was a corner who i thought you could sign and convert them to safety it'd probably be cameron dantzler
0: awesome nice thing to keep an eye on uh bruce i don't want to take too much of your time so to finish and i really appreciate you taking your time to be with us here in brazil really loves your your work and we are always listening to you to your podcast and and so it's been a blast to have you here today let me finish with this a lot of people uh especially today with Jalen ramsey news the trade to the dolphins and we have i've seen two two kind of bills mafia member okay uh one side is like oh that's great because josh uh always plays great against the dolphins and 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 Ramsey, Ramsey is burned by Diggs and Josh all the time, so welcome to the division, you're gonna get burned all the time. And the other side is like, more like RJ, our guy RJ here, okay, Melville, who's really afraid our window is, is closing and that the, the AFC East uh, is, is all-wing with Rogers coming to the Jets and, and the Dolphins going all-wing. I, I, I'm more about in the middle of both. I think we've been there, right? We've, we've been there as the team trying to to fight against the Patriots and, and adding Mario Williams adding, adding Rex Ryan as head coach and, and trying to make a splash to, to fight against New England. And right now not, we are in New England's place, right? And, and the Dolphins and the Jets and even the Patriots—they obviously they always coming. They are always trying to beat us, and and they're gonna make a run for our money at some point, no doubt. But how do you feel about those moves? About the Dolphins' moves and, and the Jets' moves, and the Bills going forward in the division?
1: I do think that the Buffalo Bills are the hunted right now. But the addition of Miami's defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio matters a lot more to me than the Jalen Ramsey move the Jalen Ramsey move is is fine right Jalen Ramsey wasn't himself last year but he's still a good player like he's still a player that I think is a good player I don't think he's that elite lockdown coverage corner that he was earlier in his career in Jacksonville and earlier with the Rams but I still think he's a good player but Vic Fangio is a really really good defensive coordinator and that is a significant upgrade in my opinion for the Miami Dolphins so Of all of the moves that have been made thus far in the AFC East, and there haven't been many of them, I think that Bill O'Brien going and becoming the offensive coordinator for the Patriots and Vic Fangio being the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins are the most significant moves. It wasn't personnel. It was coaching. And the reason that is is because the Patriots' offense was abysmal last year. It was horrendous. And it was not very enjoyable to watch. I, I did some some studying of the Patriots offense before they played the Buffalo Bills, and I just did not enjoy watching it. Not because it was really good and I was scared of it, because I was like, oh, this this is not going well. And Bill O'Brien, say what you will about him, I think is a good offensive coordinator. And so I think the most significant additions, I think we have a tendency to focus on the people, as in the players, but we miss it as the people, as in the coordinators. So for me, those are the more meaningful moves. So... I, I'm not I'm not shaking in my boots. The bills have the best quarterback in the division, and I think they have a really good coach and I think they have a really good team. I'm not shaking in my boots, but I never really thought it was gonna be a walk in the park. I, I never walked around like somehow the bills are gonna dominate their way through every single AFC East game forever. So I never operated in that assumption because I never operated in that space, I'm not now freaking out. Like I always thought it was gonna be a dog fight because when you're that team, Everybody in your division is gonna do everything they can to load up and stop you. And the difference that the Bills have in their position versus the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets and the New England Patriots is that they're the hunted with good organizations coming behind them. So Miami Dolphins, I I think they're a good organization right now. I think they hired the right coach. I'm really happy with what they've done if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. And so When the Patriots were in charge, it was just incompetence all the way across the rest of the AFC East. And now that the Bills are in charge, all of a sudden now everyone else is competent. And it doesn't feel very fair to me. I feel like I should complain. Can someone please get me the manager? I would like to talk to the manager, please. Because I don't think it's fair that the second the Bills get on top, now everyone's all smart. But when the Patriots are on top for 20 years, the rest of the AFC East has fallen all over themselves. It just doesn't seem very fair.
0: Absolutely man, absolutely. Yeah, and where where is the where's their buddy Nix drafting another running back in the first round like for the Jets with, with Oh no,
1: please don't tell like... me that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. See, that's just mean, Fernando. Now you're See, now you're just poking at me on purpose.
0: My goodness. Okay, and Bruce, about the running back position to close it out, okay? Uh, you've been vocal on Twitter against running back, and and I kind of agree with you. I've been there, and my expectation for this draft was like, okay, undrafted guy, undrafted free agent later, right? After draft, and as a compliment to Cook and let James Cook, right? But, man, I've been a Texan, Texas Longhorn fan since Vince Young. Uh, killed it on that rose ball, you know. So mm-hmm. Bijan Robinson is my guy, man. And and if Bijan is there, I have a big time problem passing him because I really believe he, this guy is generational. Uh, how? What, what? In your opinion, what can you do about the running back position so it's good enough for the Bills to to compete and to take out the burden of of the Josh shoulders a little bit.
1: I think the way you take the burden off Josh's shoulders is you invest in the offensive line. I think that's, that's the key. I, I want to invest in the offensive line. I think that every single year, we have some seventh-round pick or undrafted free agent who comes in and behind a good offensive line with vision and contact balance, even people who are freaky freaks, end up performing well. James Robinson did it. Isaiah Pacheco did it. Every single year, there's somebody out there who just proves over and over and over again that you can get running back production without needing to invest meaningful draft capital by doing it. And you, not just good, you can get very good run game production without needing to do that. And so I'm not saying B. John Robinson is a bad player. No, of course not. He's a great player. B. John Robinson is one of the best running backs I've ever looked at ever in the draft class. I think, I, I think he's better than Saquon Barkley coming out. He's better uh, than Fournette. He's better than Ezekiel Elliott. He's one of the best running backs I've ever seen from a college standpoint. That doesn't mean I want to draft him at 27.
0: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Bruce, I really appreciate man, uh, you taking your time being here with us. It's been a blast, and, and, and the doors are always open. So we, when you want to be part of the leading the charge, you know, you can just text me, and I will be in touch for sure and texting you. So you can make another appearance in the future. Really appreciate it,
1: man. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Fernando. I really appreciate it, man.
0: Okay. Do you have any? Can you tell? Vibe uh, views. So go. It's our, our version of Go views. Is vibeus views?
1: Say that again. What do you want me to say?
0: Vibe views is our version of Go bills. Vibe. Vibe Vi Yes, perfect. Thank you, Bruce. I I will continue a little bit in Portuguese. So. And I really appreciate you, you taking your time. See you. Have a
1: good one. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more, strengthen security posture, and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.